0: Yes.
1: Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There, you'll read, learn, and may comment about her life as a 21st-century wife, mother, daughter. And entrepreneur, and now it's time for Carrie to get all up in your business.
2: Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today is the owner of one of the oldest family businesses in Arkansas, Justin Wittenberg of Rubel Funeral Home, founded in 1901 on Sixth and Main Streets. Rubel is the oldest funeral home establishment in Little Rock, Arkansas. It was 1953 when Justin's grandfather, Mister George Wittenberg, hired on to the already established business as secretary and became part owner of ruble. Fast forward, 20 years later, George's son, Tom Wittenberg, would join the firm, becoming its president in 1983 and sole owner by 1997. Today, the family legacy lives on in Justin Wittenberg, Tom's son. The third generation family owned funeral business continues to offer its facility now on West Markham its equipment, and its staff for immediate response to Central Arkansas families of every religion, race, and socioeconomic circumstances. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table third-generation owner, Mr. Justin Wittenberg of Ruble Funeral Home. And you are on call all the time because you have just been talking to your answering service and said, I'm going to be off the grid for one hour. Hey, Justin.
3: Hey, Carrie. Thank you for having me.
2: You're so welcome. So, Ruble Funeral Home, when I'm researching it a little bit, who is Ruble? I couldn't figure out why it's called Ruble Funeral Home.
3: Mr. Ruble started Ruble Funeral Home in 1901 at 6th and Main, like you pointed out. Uh, From what I understand, he was a furniture maker. Oh. And he was filling a need for caskets uh, for other funeral homes. And he decided that he would uh, start his own funeral home. And when he only had one daughter, Catherine, who didn't want to take the business over.
2: The furniture business? Uh, or the, or fun- the, funeral- the, the
3: funeral home. The Building funeral the
2: casket business.
3: Right, right, right. Uh, her husband, Walter Limer, who was a prominent banker here in town at the time, uh, inherited the funeral home. And he didn't know what to do with it. And he reached out to my grandfather, George, and uh, my grandfather's future partner, Jack Reed, and uh, confronted them and asked them if they would like to run the funeral home. And they ended up purchasing it after many years of running it for him.
2: Well, I wondered how George Wittenberg, who is an architect, right? Uh,
3: George Sr., his father started Wittenberg Delonian Davis W D and D Yeah and his son my grandfather uh was an insurance agent for Massachusetts Mutual and uh a large portion of the funeral business is insurance based in fact we are governed in the state of Arkansas by the Arkansas Insurance Commission
2: Really yeah. Are there a lot of rules
3: There are a lot of rules yeah yeah yeah. But the number one rule is our customers come first.
2: Oh, and that's a good rule. How much competition do you have? How many other funeral homes are there? There's Drummond, yours? I like to say we don't have any competition. Oh.
3: Uh but there are other funeral homes here in town. There is uh Roller, which oh. is owned by Renata. And that's uh Roller Drummond, Roller Owen in North Little Rock, Roller Chenal out in West Little Rock.
2: They're out of they're out of a state they're an out of state country? Uh, No, no, no,
3: no. In in fact, Renata's father, Denver Roller, if I looked far enough back in our records, had his apprenticeship uh, for his funeral director's license at Rubel Funeral Home.
2: Get out of town.
3: So we're all connected if you go far enough back. That's a trend in Little Rock. If you go far enough back, we all know each other, right?
2: (laughs) That's right. We're all cousins. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, And then we had uh, Griffin and Leggett. Uh, That was uh, another funeral home here in town. And Harry Leggett, whose son is Brad, um, they sold out to a big international corporation uh, many, many years ago. And Brad started Little Rock Funeral Home, which was just purchased by Jeff Smith, which was North Little Rock Funeral Home. Um, And he now has Smith Family Cares. And they have Smith North Little Rock and Smith Little Rock and several other funeral homes throughout the state.
2: Are you thinking about branching out, having another location? Have you talked about it? You've got one location on West Markham Street.
3: I've got one location on West Markham Street. I've got a very loyal group of clients, and um, I spend the majority of my time making sure that they are well taken care of, and I think that if I expanded too much, I wouldn't be able to give them the personal care that they are wanting and deserve.
2: Did you think you would always go into? So your grandfather started it or bought it from the Mister Rubel, and then your father went into the business and ended up being the sole owner. And did you always think I'm going to grow up and go into this business too, or did you think I was going to do something else?
3: It's funny. My my knee jerk reaction would be no. I, I didn't always think I was going to be in this business. But uh, my dad showed me a drawing one day. I was in uh, kindergarten at the Cathedral School. And, uh, they had us draw what we wanted to be when we grew up and it was stick figures carrying a little casket and it said, I want to grow up and be like my dad. Um, so I would say yes at that point. Uh, now did my education and my immediate future reflect that? No, no, not at all. Uh, I went to Hendrix, got a chemistry degree, was going to be a dentist, um, and
2: That's a caring job, too, though.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I worked for a dentist during college as an apprentice and um, really enjoyed it. Uh, but my dad's friends, his colleagues, his contemporaries kept saying to me, please, please, please take over for your dad one day. Who are we going to come to when we need your help? When w- There's not going to be a Wittenberg there when we need you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wisely listened to them after many, many uh, confrontations like that.
2: How old were you when you came to work there?
3: It was in 2007, uh, so I was uh, 27 years old.
2: So what had you been doing from college to 27?
3: I had driven an ambulance in Denver, Colorado. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Quite the adventure.
2: So have you got an uh, EMT's? Uh, license, I guess it's called yeah. certification.
3: Yeah, yeah, I did that in college as a elective at Hendricks. I could, uh, uh, you know, take PE or get an EMT license. So I went to Conway Regional two nights a week and ended up with an EMT basic license, and then decided to go on an adventure and, and to Colorado.
2: Yeah, why not, right? Because you, you liked snow ski, probably. <laughs> yes,
3: I love it. I love it actually, and. uh, uh then after that, I came back and worked for Willis Smith and Associates, and appraised real estate. Got to see the bubble grow and then burst, and
2: <laughs> the Little Rock real uh, real estate market bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. Yeah,
3: uh, and Willis uh, was a great guy, and uh, Beck Kaiser. Uh, they were partners, and they were my uh, employers at that point. And, and what a great experience!
2: Are there any other Wittenbergs working in the business? No. Dad's retired.
3: Dad's retired. Uh, sisters are uh, full-time moms with uh, careers of their own. Uh, so they, they, they both are, are doubled up on, on. I don't I don't see how they do it. I, I don't think they get any sleep.
2: Probably not. Right. Um, what does a person need, like, from within to be a good funeral director? Do you call yourself a funeral director?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's our, our title. Um and um, that's What does what a
2: person need from within to do that well, you think? Because not just anybody could do that.
3: Right. Um, I would say the best way to draw on what a person needs to do that well is to look at my employees because uh, I can I can see what it actually takes by, by looking out rather than in. It's some, sometimes it's difficult to look in, and, and introspection is a difficult thing, I think, for people. Uh, so I look at my employees, and I've got – I've got one employee who's been doing this his entire life, um, and he is devoted endlessly to uh, the deceased and their families. Um, and then I've got another employee who was a, a, a great friend of mine uh, through playing soccer at Burns Park, and he had a experience close in his family with death, and I could see that he was uh, having a, a like a hard time with it he was struggling with it but he wanted to know more and so we started talking after our games and i offered him a job and oh my goodness he is the most compassionate person when it comes to dealing with the families um he he goes into the arrangements and the um the first calls with uh, uh nothing nothing takes precedent over what you're what you're doing right now and um and he really devotes himself 100% to his families.
2: And when you say arrangements, you mean the funeral arrangements.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the funeral arrangements really start when we take the first call. Uh, so that what might, does the
2: first call sound like?
3: Uh, the first call is usually in the middle of the night. Uh, and Is and, it? And we're getting a call from uh, an So ant- most
2: people die in the middle of the night?
3: It seems like it.
2: Okay. It really does. That was one of my questions. I wondered.
3: Okay, it, go ahead. It really does. We sit at the funeral home all day and wait for the phone to ring. And then as soon as we go home and go to bed, the phone starts ringing. Um, and so you have to be able to uh, say it doesn't matter what time of night it is or what I need to do the next day. I've got to stop everything and care for this family and and their loved one that's passed away and
2: and what does that mean does that mean you go to their house does that mean you mean at the funeral home does that mean you just talk to them on the phone and say i'll see you at eight o'clock tomorrow what does it mean
3: that's really changed a lot actually um uh, when my dad was at the helm uh so 20 years ago it was you got up and went to their house right then um When I started in this, it was, hey, we're going to send the person that's on call and they'll be there and we trust them and they are our number one crew and they're going to come over and take very good care of you and we'll see you in the morning.
2: And take care of you, does that mean they pick up the deceased body? Yeah, Mm
3: -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we we bring them into our care and we treat them as if they're our own family member that's just passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, now in the time of COVID, Mm -hmm. it is a... We'll talk to you on the phone tomorrow, and we're going to send you an email, and you can sign an e-document, and we're going to. You can look on our website for merchandise, and it's all very removed. And uh, I think it's we we have adapted, and um, and made it easier for our families to sit in their home and 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 not take a risk of going outside and meeting with people that they don't know and exposing themselves to things. And it's uh it's made it easier on our families, but at the same time I, I don't think it gives them the the full service that we uh we need to give them and that they expect. Yeah. So it's a balance uh that we're trying to, to do. Um that we, we haven't found the
2: balance point yet. Sounds like you have to me. All yeah. right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Justice Justin Wittenberg, third generation owner of Ruble Funeral Home in Little Rock, Arkansas. Still to come. How to manage the stages of grief. I look forward to talking about that. What you need to do in preparation or after an end of life occurrence and leave and leaving a business legacy. How have the Wittenbergs done it so successfully? We'll be back. After the break,
1: you're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of Flag and Banner dot com. Over forty years ago, with only four hundred dollars, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In nineteen ninety five, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply Flag and dot com. In two thousand four, she became an early blogger. Since then. She has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine Brave, and in 2016 branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. And today, in 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years. If you'd like to sponsor this show, Or get involved with any of Carrie McCoy's enterprises, send an email to me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y, at flagandbanner.com. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, the flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie.
2: Thank you, Gray. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Justin Wittenberg, third-generation owner of Ruble Funeral Home, the oldest funeral home in Little Rock, Arkansas, founded in 1901 in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Before the break, we talked about Justin's family legacy. Their family is old. Old family. I don't know if you could say old money. Maybe old money. I don't know. But it's it's a, it, they've been around a long time. Uh And Wittenberg Deloney Davidson was your grandfather? -grandfather. Great-grandfather. Great-grandfather, and founded in the early 1900s. And then Rubel Funeral Home was his next business venture. And then he passed it to his son, and then he passed it to his grandson. And it's just been a wonderful family legacy. Um, So we talked about how Justin kind of evolved and got into the business. But now let's talk about grief. You were kind of leading into that about how... COVID's changed things, how people grieve and what they grieve. So I went on your website and I kind of looked at the stages of grief. You have some good information for people there. Um, and the first one is shock, then denial, then guilt, which I didn't realize everybody feels guilt. Uh, sadness, acceptance, and then the roller coaster of of uh, renewal as it as you get there so let's talk about shock why are you shocked why are people shocked they're just Uh, never ready for it even when you see it coming
3: yeah i think that there's no way to uh, totally prepare for your your family member the person you've been in love with uh, for 40 years passing away and uh even though you might have had the opportunity to prepare um because they have a, a a long uh demise you know um there's never any way to actually say to yourself when this person is gone, what am I going to experience? And uh, everybody experiences that differently. And and so that is a shock to your system. And uh, I think it's a a very common term, but I I tell lots of my clients that it's going to take a while to find your new normal and, uh, that all of a sudden I'm this person and I have this support system and I live in this household with this person and all of a sudden that is gone and it'll never come back and there's nothing you can do to make it come back is a shock to your system.
2: So then they go into denial.
3: Yeah, 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 denial. It's a This didn't really happen or my life isn't going to change as a result of this or um, – I'll wake up tomorrow and this will be a, a, a bad dream that I had. Um, and, and you see, one of the reasons we do funeral services is because it's a, a, a direct, you can't deny this anymore. We're all sitting here in this church together with your friends, your family, your community, and this is real.
2: So the service, the visitation, the memorial, the service is for the living?
3: Oh, 100%. Um, Now, my faith, my Catholic faith, uh, says that we do uh, ceremonial things that prepare the dead uh, for the transition into the afterlife. Uh, um, And everything that we do other than those very ceremonial things are for the living. And uh, it gives uh, the family members and the community uh, an opportunity to mourn and show their support for each other. It It brings us together as a community.
2: Um, You did talk about grief, uh, that having a memorial or visitation to share and remember the deceased is really important. How do you do that now that we're in this pandemic? Uh,
3: I I guess we've been doing it two ways. And um, we never, a year ago, I wasn't sitting in uh, the break room talking with my employees or having a drink with my dad, talking about, hey, when the pandemic hits and we can't go to church and have services or we can't have people in our chapel and have services, what are we going to do? So it was a wake up one day and we're everything shut down. Uh, So it's been a very uh, reactionary um, uh, environment. And uh, I can tell you at first we didn't do a good job of it. Uh, We told uh, our clients, uh, one thing, hey, we'll, we'll take care of the immediate needs, and uh, when they open everything back up, we'll have a service. And uh, since then, we've adapted and overcome, and uh, we've uh, got a YouTube channel. Who would have ever thought a funeral home would have a YouTube channel? What? Um, and, and we, what's,
2: what do you do with the YouTube channel?
3: We live stream the services. Uh, so the family's all sitting there. We, we have some of our churches that we service, um, and they tell their parishioners, they, these family members that have lost someone, that, uh, yes, you can have a, a service at the church, uh, but you can only have your immediate family members there. Uh, and so uh, the, their, their extended family, their friends, their neighbors uh, can't come and be a part of that service. And so we take a iPad on a tripod and we set it up and we live stream it to our YouTube channel and they can sit in the comfort and safety of their own home and be a part of that service. And then they can reach out to the family later and and say, hey, we were there. We saw it. What an amazing eulogy. What a beautiful service. Um, we're we're so sorry we couldn't shake your hand or give you a hug afterwards, but we were there virtually, uh, and so we've we've really expanded the way we're able to virtually do services.
2: You talked about on your website how to be a friend to someone who who is grieving, and um, it was called during call two days after the funeral, which I think is really was very great was very was really good advice because it does seem like after everything's over with the funeral's over everybody goes home the the bereaved just sit there in their home and the phone's not ringing and it says call your friend 2 days after the service and ask them if there's anything you can do to help
3: that's great i'm really glad you uh, focused on that point uh- I, when i meet with the families I, I often tell them that your friends are going to reach out to you and ask you what can i do to help and we have a list of things that we tell them to tell their friends to do
2: because they can't think
3: right when uh, you're
2: depressed like that you can't think you're like nothing but you really do have a whole list
3: one of the uh, one of the most basic things that we have at every funeral is a register book uh, and it seems weird that you would go to your your friend's mom's funeral and sign in, uh, but I have had many clients that come to me afterwards, and they're you know meeting me for a follow up, and they're disgruntled because their business partner of forty years didn't even show up for their mom's funeral, oh. and I say I say hold on, I'm pretty sure I saw him there. Let's look back through the register book, and there, sure enough, there's their signature. And they go, oh my goodness, I can't believe it! I just didn't have any idea. I forgot that we had that conversation, and it's you get this tunnel vision, and uh, your everything's clouded, and you you really don't know what's going on. And and so that that whole point of reaching back out to them, you might have been there with them the whole time, uh, but there's so many things going on, and there's so many people coming up to them, and there's. Uh, And and that's all coupled with the grief of the loss. They they have no recollection of what's really happened. Yeah. Uh, And so reaching back out to them and saying, hey, I know we talked yesterday, uh, but how are you doing today? Yeah. And what can I do now for you?
2: And it's odd to me that people are afraid to mention, I saw you lost your brother. And people are like, oh, I didn't want to mention that you're like no 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 the bereaved want you to mention the fact i think people are confused about that i think if anybody's listening be sure to mention the fact that you saw they lost a family member and that you're sorry or whatever yeah just just say i heard about your brother boom that's all you have to say
3: yeah i think people really um they feel like they're gonna reopen a wound or bring up a bad subject yes uh it's a wound that's already open
2: and, 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 and it, by
3: you coming up to them and telling them that you saw and that you're here for them, it, it helps close the wound. It doesn't reopen it.
2: Exactly. I think a lot of people are confused about that. Uh, so the other thing about grief is guilt. This one caught me by surprise. I mean, I've lost both of my parents, and I had no idea the guilt that would come up later on just because, for no, I mean, I just, it's just part of it. I mean, you could think of anything. You can think of the smallest thing like, oh, I should have passed them the salt when they asked. I mean, it can really just be almost anything. Right. And I thought that was interesting that you said uh, guilt was a big one.
3: Yeah, I think it's the hardest one. Uh, I think that's the one that it goes unresolved for the most amount of time because uh, usually the guilt is uh, rooted off of some uh, unresolved issue. Uh, maybe you got in an argument or maybe you had a disagreement or maybe you hadn't spoken to your sibling in four years um, and now they've passed away and you wished you had done this or you, uh, you now looking back on it, it thought that something should have been done differently. But there's nothing you can do to change that.
2: So how do you get rid of it? <sighs> what do you tell people? Mine is not that. Mine is I should have done more.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: I should have done more, I should have done more, I should have done more.
3: Right, well, there's nothing more that you can do. Um, and I think that uh, faith has a lot to do with that, overcoming it, that one day, you know, I will see them again and we can resolve this issue, or I know that they loved me and I have faith that they were a good friend or my, 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 my family member and they would have forgiven me and I have to forgive myself.
2: Oh, I like that one. They would have forgiven me, and I have to forgive myself. Those are pearls of wisdom. So do you think being a funeral director makes it easier or harder to be religious with all you see, with all you do?
3: I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, I go into church services, and I see some very, very tough situations uh, where someone's passed away from an accident or— uh, a, a self-inflicted wound And everybody's very, very upset And very hurt And uh, they get into their church Their home And their religious leader Stands up in front of them And leads them in prayer And you can feel a calm Come over the, the people um, And standing as an outside observer And witnessing this uh I, I think my faith has done nothing but grow uh through this since two thousand and seven twenty uh thirteen years
0: mm-hmm.
3: um that i've it, it is it has really helped me realize that there is a higher being and that there that that our religious faith is important uh to not only us individually but us as a society as a whole
2: mm-hmm. sadness after the shock, after the denial, after the guilt—well, maybe not after the guilt—but next comes the sadness. That's, do do that's, you warn everybody it's coming? It's 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 coming, and you're just you just gonna have to wallow in it till it passes. Time will heal. What is the advice you can give to somebody who's got so much sadness?
3: It's so difficult. Um, so many people in society suffer from depression already, and then you throw sadness on top of that, and you um, you feel so sorry and helpless and. Uh, What can I do to help you? Um, And you try and give them as many resources as are possible. And there are so many resources Are there? there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, We give out an aftercare packet, and the largest section of it is grief resources.
2: Find Uh, a group. Find friends who experience the same loss and get in a group. They
3: don't even have to be friends. They just have to be other people, uh, peers in your society to know that you're not alone.
2: So there's grief
3: groups, I guess. Oh, every church, every hospital um they all have multiple groups that uh, you know I, I've lost a child I've lost a spouse I've lost a, a, a friend and and you're not the only person that's lost someone um, and to know that other people are out there and and they suffer um, on a daily basis uh, just knowing that you're not alone I think helps people and being able to connect with someone that's experiencing the same thing is so important I I've got a on my phone, if you pull up my, my Safari, uh, the one thing I've saved is a, an article from, I, I think it's been on my phone for five years. And it's um, it says, everyone around you is grieving. Go easy.
2: Oh, that's nice.
3: And I've never closed that page. I opened that article. Somebody sent it to me and I, I opened it and it was like, wow, this really makes sense, you know. Somebody might be rude to you in the line at the grocery store, uh, but it might be because their dad died yesterday and they are just overcome with grief. Go easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Everybody's lost something. It might have been their dog that they lost. It oh. might have been their cat that they lost. Uh, it could have been their son that passed away. Everyone has lost something, and, uh, and knowing that and, and being compassionate to people's grief really
2: helps you understand society. And be a better person. And not be so mad all the time.
3: Yeah, right.
2: Over silly stuff. Um, I, you put in there on your website, live a healthy life and exercise. But when you are sad and depressed, you can't get off the couch to go exercise. You can't get off the couch to go fix a meal. I mean, that seems to me like you're on moving into the acceptance. Once you start moving into the other level, you talk about acceptance. Uh, and I love this thing you said uh acceptance is growth and then they begin to turn their loss into something meaningful and i just hate it that you have to go through strife in life to grow but you mentioned that that if you get through this and you get to the acceptance the growth that comes out of it can give new purpose and some meaning to your life a different way
3: definitely um and i think that you know that holds that holds true to every aspect of life Mm -hmm. right if it's uh if it's not tough if you don't have to work for it it doesn't really have any meaning um, uh, you you fail over and over again and then you succeed and that success is so much greater and uh, so much rewarding uh, because of the failures mm-hmm. uh, and that translate directly into grief uh, you you take this loss and you you suffer and you um, you maybe you hit rock bottom maybe you don't but you always you hopefully does uh, anybody
2: ever come in and be angry with you oh definitely they do
3: yeah definitely uh and i don't i
2: mean how can they be angry you're there i mean is it uh, is they're just trying to find somebody to be mad at
3: yeah 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 they're not angry at us we we've done nothing wrong we've done nothing to, to to make them mad um but they're mad at the situation they're in and uh one of the the biggest things i talk with my employees about is don't take anything personal you might know this person personally, but 90 percent of the clients that they're going to meet with, they've never met before in their lives. Uh, and so if they come in and they're mad at you, it's not because something you did. Yeah. Uh, so just sit there and, and understand that they're upset. Um, and, and it really helps them help the other person uh, because they see this person that they're mad at and they're sitting there going, OK. Yeah.
2: All right. I okay. wondered if in the funeral business if you ever got disgruntled customers cuz I know in every business you do almost but it seems like d- during that one you would be they would be so broken hearted that it just didn't seem like they had much energy for anger.
3: Right? Uh so I I I talk with my employees about how we have one chance to get it right. Uh there's no retakes on a funeral. Uh if if we mess up and uh play the wrong song or um, you know, do something that the family wasn't expecting or don't do something that they were expecting, that they're going to get hung up on that mistake and they won't be able to grieve properly because they're not – Experiencing the they're, entire process because they're thinking about that one. They're probably mistake.
2: looking for something to take their mind off.
3: Of. Well, that's the one percenters we call them. Uh, oh, the, they're the, trying that, to find
2: something th- else to be. They'll to find focus something on.
3: wrong with everything they do that that they experience in life, and and we know that, and we go, okay, we're sorry, and
2: yeah. So before we take a break, let's just deal. Let's just go through dealing with grief. You said have a memorial visitation to share and remember the deceased. Talk about your grief with others. Find friends who've experienced the same loss. Uh, live a healthy life. Exercise. Make small plans. Get out, which is hard to do. And this one a lot of people have problems with. Allow yourself time. Don't think it's going to be overnight. And then the other thing that I liked on your website about how to be a friend to someone who's bereaving is... Be an active listener. That's a great one. Call during holidays and often. Call two days after the funeral. Say the deceased's name out loud during conversations and ask how you can help. Those are great advice. This is a great place to take a break. Still to come preparation what you need to know before or after an end of life occurrence and leaving a business legacy how have the wittenbergs done it so successfully and i want to remind everybody we broadcast live every wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m central time on facebook and podcasts are made available on all popular listening sites and up in your business with Carrie mccoy's youtube channel we'll be back after the break
0: Long before Beyonce sang this song to the Obamas at the inaugural ball, Etta James sang it on the Dreamland Ballroom stage. Deadlands. Located on the top floor of the FlagandBanner.com building in downtown Little Rock, there lies a historical treasure called the Dreamland Ballroom, where musical greats like Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, and Etta James once played. 30 years ago, this magnificent venue was destined for the wrecking ball. But since 2009, the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland has worked to restore this piece of Arkansas heritage. They've made it their mission to bring back its history and culture by providing tours, artistic performances, musical education, and cultural outreach. As you walk to the entrance of Dreamland, you'll notice the paver bricks that are engraved with commemorative names and phrases chosen by donors to Dreamland. The Pave the Way fundraiser is an ongoing project of the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland. Paver bricks are available for you to be a part of this restoration project. Visit dreamlandballroom.org to find out how you can contribute.
2: You're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Justin Wittenberg, third-generation owner of Ruble Funeral Home, the oldest funeral home in Little Rock, Arkansas, founded in 1901 in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Before the break... We talked about grief, being a good friend to someone who's bereaved. So if you missed that, you should go back and listen to it. Great tips. You can also go to Rubel Funeral Homes website, click on their links. You can follow the process. Uh, After my father died, hospice gave me a book, told me when when you're taking care of someone who's dying and how they pull away and what they begin to do. Uh, And I wish I had gotten that before my father passed they gave it to me afterwards and i looked back over my father passing and i thought oh that's what he was doing so that's a nice tip out there that hospice has this book if you are caring for somebody or you feel like you're gonna get there they can kind of help you with the stages of life because i couldn't figure out why my dad didn't want to talk to me all the time it's like he's pulling away from this from this world you know but anyway let's talk about the process before and after death before what should we all do while we're still living
3: Uh, You should all have the conversation with your family members and tell them what you want when you pass away and what you expect your funeral to look like and what you... What if you don't know? Tell them that. Uh, Whatever you want to do? Yeah. Give give them permission to make that decision on their own.
2: Have you done that? You're so young. Have you already done that? Uh, (laughs) No. No.
3: It's, uh, it's, uh, it's strange. Uh, I think coming from the inside out, um, it's kind of like doctors make the worst patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, funeral directors, they, they give great advice, but they don't listen to their own advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad says, y'all do whatever you want. And now he's been a funeral director for uh, 40 plus years. Uh, he's got an honorary funeral director's license from the state of Arkansas. He's been a funeral director for so long. Uh, and he's always said, I don't care what you do. Do whatever makes you happy. But the fact that he says that to us means that when he passes away, whatever we decide to do, we know that he's happy with. Oh, I see. Uh, and the, the, the hardest uh, decisions that are made are when family members sit down and I say, OK, what, where are we going to go now? What are we going to do next? They go, oh, we don't know. We don't. We don't want to make a decision that would upset my mother, or we, and and then they're left hanging, and and we direct them, and that's why we're funeral directors. Uh, but they might leave those uh, arrangements with us and think, did I make the right decision? And that's where the guilt stage comes back in on them, uh, even after mm-hmm. they've done their best job to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Support their, their loved one that's passed away and do what they think was right. They don't know for sure that's what they wanted. And it, it leaves them with a,
2: a very uh, a, a bad feeling of have I done the right thing? So my mother had picked out the funeral home. She wanted to be cremated and she wanted to be buried in the North Little Rock Veterans Cemetery next to dad. That made everything so easy for me. Yeah. I mean, so easy for me aren't you lucky i felt so lucky that i didn't have to make any of those decisions because i probably would have buried her if she hadn't said oh no no i want to be cremated
3: the um the easiest funerals that we direct for both my, myself my staff and the families that we are there supporting are the ones that we pull a file out and say your mom chose this 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 and this uh-huh. and here's her obituary that she wrote and they go oh my goodness we don't have to worry about anything.
2: Writing an obituary is tough.
3: I can imagine. I wrote my grandmother's, and uh, it, it wasn't easy, but she and I were best of the best of friends, and, uh, and so I took joy in it. Uh, but I was a, in the funeral industry, and, and I got a lot of experience of reading many, many obits, and I could pull from those. And, uh, but, yeah, writing an obit's a very difficult thing.
2: So you should, you should even write your own obit, I guess. yes. Well, why you know, they used to let us lay in state. You know, I kinda like that. Why are we not laying in state anymore?
1: Of we, course you like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to lay in state in the living room.
1: Don't worry, mother, I'm taking notes.
2: <laughs> okay, Ruble funeral home.
1: Go to Ruble Funeral. Lying in state. Lying <laughs> in state. <at> Ruble <laughs> funeral home. And y'all have a
3: big party. We still do have people that lay in state. For how long? I have uh, I have state rooms.
2: Is that what that state means on your website when it says I ha- you have how many staterooms? Three. Three, yeah. It said three staterooms. I didn't know what that meant.
3: Uh, the, the, where the person lays there and their friends come and see them, and they come throughout the day and sign the register book. I have uh, families that still do the uh what we call old school traditional way and all right and we take their mom and dad to their house that's what i want and they um just right on the front
1: porch
2: just
3: said,
1: <laughs> I was, what i want to be in
2: the dining room
1: oh on the table like what's your name uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. i love it i think i, it's, do too. I think <laughs> it's
3: amazing i think it i think it really completes the the grieving process it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a complete acceptance of the fact that this person has passed away and they're now in a better place and
2: Americans are so weird about dying to me.
3: We have so many different uh, faith directions in our country and so many different people telling us what we should do and believe and uh, that it's, it's hard for people to say, I don't care what you want. This is what I want, and this is what makes me happy, uh, and I'm going to do it.
2: How long can you lay in state before you start to smell? Sorry, I
3: Week, just Weeks.
2: weeks. That embalming fluid works. It works, yes. So what if you don't – why do we use embalming fluid? To preserve. What if you don't – like my friend – I have a friend who's Jewish. She's probably listening. She doesn't want embalming fluid. She wants to to go straight to burial within, I think, 24 hours it has to be. It's 48. 48 hours.
3: 48, and I would say that she's probably not Orthodox Jewish. She's probably Reform Jewish. Uh, but the orthodox Jewish uh, faith says that there's no um, no no preservation of the body and uh, and they're buried within forty eight hours of death. The state of Arkansas Health Department says that if we're not going to do anything to preserve the body, um, then yes we have to bury within forty eight hours of death uh, but we don't have to be embalmed to preserve to preserve we can uh, do refrigeration
2: but you can't lay in state without embalming
3: I wouldn't suggest it.
2: You have to burn a lot of candles. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's
1: grinning. I, love, I was about to say, I love this this uh, interview all of a sudden.
2: <laughs> so uh, after someone passes, what happens if it's in your home while under your care? Who do you call?
3: The police.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. So,
3: and you tell them I've had a non-emergency death. And if you don't tell them the non-emergency part, the fire department and the MIMS and the police are all going to come light your neighborhood up in the middle of the night,
2: and everybody'll know.
3: Yeah. Well, and and you're just the so shock you, of the light sight. The lights and sirens are just overwhelming.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, my mother passed away at like two o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the night. Uh, I waited till morning to call because I just thought I just kind of wanted to be with her, and I also thought. Um, I didn't want to wake everybody up. It's fine. And so that was okay. I wondered if I was okay to do that. I think it's great. Uh, and, you know, it's funny when someone dies in your home, even if they're 95, like mother, you do kind of feel like, am I doing everything right? right. Am I doing everything lawfully the right way?
3: Am I breaking the law? Yeah, that's the, the big fear.
2: I never thought about that until that happened with mother.
3: Right. So, So have the conversation with your mother. And then call the funeral home and have the conversation with them. This is what my mother wants. This is where she is. What do I need to do when she passes away? Okay, well, is, what if I want to do something else? Can I do that? Yes or no. And, 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 and we're there to direct you and, and allow you to grieve in the way that you want to grieve.
2: So funeral, So everybody should have a funeral home in mind. And should have called them and should ask these questions because I did not do that. And I should have done that. Well, And, and you that, get all those questions answered.
3: So there comes another hard part. Uh, that's the denial part that we talked about before. And your mother hadn't even died yet. I think but, it kind of was. But by you calling the funeral home and asking them these questions, that was you accepting that your mother was going to die. And, yeah. uh, and that's a very difficult thing to do.
2: Even if you're ready, even if she's 95, even if she's ready to go, it's well, still...
3: You weren't ready. You were sitting here telling me that what you did meant you weren't ready. Oh. Mm-hmm. You think you're ready, mm-hmm. uh, but you're you're still not completing the process, and, and, and that's okay.
2: Yeah. So uh, if you're going to make decisions about... Uh, I noticed on your website you have... Uh, there's religious considerations to think about, which you already talked about, but what about... You offer caskets, vaults, and urns. Caskets for in-ground burial,
3: right? And vaults are for what the casket goes in. Oh, and it protects the casket. Um, it keeps it from uh, allowing water into the casket, and allow it keeps the casket from being crushed over the from the weight of the earth on top of it.
2: Do we care about that? I do. Does everybody get a, get a vault, or do most people? No,
3: no, definitely not
2: some people just put the casket straight in the ground right and so it can and then what about uh uh what is what are those rooms that you go into mausoleums mausoleums i didn't see anything on your website about mausoleums
3: well so that's above ground burial and um those are provided by the cemetery do you
2: own it does rubel own a cemetery
3: no uh but i inherited a uh position on the executive board at roselawn cemetery when my dad retired and Mm -hmm. um it is one of the oldest cemeteries, not the oldest, in Little Rock. Um, it's down at uh, 17th and Woodrow, and uh, it's across the street from the Catholic Cemetery, which is Calvary Cemetery. Uh, a lot of people think they're the same cemetery because there's just mm. you know, 17th Street, Asher, Wright Avenue, whatever whatever what name the, you choose to a,
2: But We've only got a few minutes left. What is the weirdest request you've ever had?
3: I would say that it was um, a request my dad received from Craig O'Neill on a prank call. Oh my God! To, to embalm his pet turtle that had passed away.
1: It was a prank call? <laughs> okay, I was, I was hoping maybe somebody actually followed through. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, you're working for your family. We're wrapping it up now. I cannot thank you enough. I want to tell everybody that your facility has four state rooms on your on your website. Three or four state rooms. Three, three. Uh, the chapel seats three hundred. There's an arrangement room. Do you embalm there? Yes. Oh, you do. You embalm there. Um, there's a casket showroom.
3: No. No, no casket showroom anymore. We've converted that into a um, visitation slash reception space. Uh-huh. It's actually bigger than our chapel and it's used more often than our chapel. Oh. Uh, and we have a fully catered events with uh, music and uh, live music or recorded music. And uh, we've had open bars there where uh, uh, there's a bartender and people have drinks and they have a great time celebrating the life of their
2: loved one. My favorite. All right. I want to give you a gift. Thank you so much for coming on. You get a U.S. and an Arkansas desk set to put on yours. Do you have one for Rubel Funeral Home? I do not. I love
3: it. I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I
2: I Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. I hope everybody's gotten something out of it. It's really been, uh, you're a really laid back guy.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, uh,
2: I I think I I really
3: appreciate you bringing me on your show.
2: You know, I think it's been a very rewarding show for everybody that got to listen. Um, I just want to say to our listeners. In closing, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up.
1: You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray. That's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you'd like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.